Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdives, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and today we're going to be talking about the French Netflix horror series, Marianne. Marianne premiered on Netflix back in September on Friday the 13th. It's eight episodes long, and the episodes range anywhere from roughly 35 to 55 minutes long. Um, Usually on this show, we're like spoiler-tastic, but for this, I'm actually going to stay as spoiler-free as possible, because if you haven't seen this show yet, I want you to check it out. And the thing is, I'm still... Like on the fence as to how I feel about the show as a whole, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it, to kind of like organize my thoughts, I guess. Well, I'm never particularly organized about anything, <laughs> um, but an attempt will be made, you know. And usually I do a decent amount of research before I record, but I don't know what it is about this show, but I couldn't really find anything, like about the production or anything behind the scenes. I mean, I know it's a French show, but I can usually find something somewhere, even if it's just like trivia on IMDb or something. But for Marianne, I found nothing. So maybe some of the questions I have are easily answered if I had more insight into the making of this show. But, oh well, you know, what can you do? So Marianne is about an author named Emma, who has written a very popular fantasy horror series about a heroine named Lizzie Lark and her battle against the evil witch named Marianne. The stories are inspired by vivid nightmares that Emma has been having since she was a teenager, but When Emma decides to bring her series to a close, a childhood friend, Caroline, shows up at a book signing, urging Emma to come back home, because not only is Marianne real, she is also possessing Caroline's mother. So that's like the impetus of the rest of the show. Marianne is actually the spirit of a witch who is said to be married to a demon and who does everything from possess people, create illusions and hallucinations, appear in people's dreams, and creates pretty gnarly little hex bags out of human flesh filled with hair and teeth. And she is targeting Emma and her friends and family because she wants Emma to continue writing about her. For reasons I won't spoil here, but suffice it to say, Emma does not want to succumb to Marianne's demands. So that's the main conflict to driving the series, Emma trying to protect her loved ones and defeat Marianne. And on paper, it sounds more like a fantasy adventure, but it is just straight up stone cold horror. Though, when it's not horrific, it's actually very funny 
like intentionally. <laughs> um, I've seen criticisms of the show that say the tone swings wildly between humor and horror. Like, that's a bad thing? I, like, I love that in movies and shows. Those are my favorite types of films. I mean, look at Jordan Peele's films or M. Night Shyamalan's early films or the It remakes. Like, they all have a lot of humor in them and that's why I love them so much. Because for me, that doesn't come across as inconsistency. For me, the presence of humor is like a palate cleanser. You know, it doesn't diffuse any of the horror that's there. It makes the horror all the more impactful in contrast. Um, the main character, Emma, is very, she's a very flawed character, which is refreshing, honestly. Um, though sometimes a bit frustrating because it can be hard to root for her sometimes. Like, she'll do something so stupid or so selfish that you're almost like, you know what? I hope Marianne does beat your ass, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but she's also very charming and so are her, her friends and parents. So even if you wind up hating Emma, you still sympathize with the people she's trying to protect, at least. Um, and, you know, not for nothing, but the actress who plays Emma, um, Victoire Dubois, is crazy hot. <laughs> that doesn't, I mean, really matter, but it also doesn't hurt. So, you know, there's that. Um, but overall, though I like the characters for the most part, there are definitely moments well, actually entire episodes that kind of drag. Like, I feel like the series could have been half the length and would have been way more effective in almost every way. Um, I'm a big fan of binge watching and anything else of this length I could have knocked out in one weekend. Um, but this show took me a few days to get through. Like, I had to keep taking breaks because I would get so bored. <laughs> like, then I'd hop back in, see a really great horror tableau, get reinvested in the story, and then I'd hit a boring stretch again. So, though your experience may vary, <laughs> I will admit it's harder to hold my attention these days. So, it may not be the show's fault, you know. Um, which reminds me, actually, while looking at reviews and comments and forum threads about this show, I saw the same arguments I always see regarding foreign films and TV shows. That age-old debate of sub versus dub. With this particular title, and with a lot of foreign language shows on Netflix recently, you can choose between English subtitles or an audio track dubbed in English. Now, on the surface, 
that may just seem like two options that are just up to personal preference, but it's not as cut and dry as all that. See, the problem though, with Marianne in particular, is that I read a lot of contradictory opinions. Like, some people were saying that the English dub was unbearable because the voice actors weren't any good. And, um, I can kind of attest to that. Like, they weren't great. <laughs> like, the audio performances were pretty flat, and everyone sounded so similar. Like, it could even get confusing at times because voices sounded so much the same. Um, however, I also read a lot of reviews from French speakers who insist that the line readings of the French cast weren't very good either, and that the, the both the original and French audios were about on par in terms of performance and campiness. But I also saw people saying that the English dub's translation of the text was poor, while others said the subtitles were actually more inaccurate. Because that's another thing worth mentioning. If you put on the English dub and the English subtitles on at the same time, you can see that they're wildly different. And I understand a little bit of French, but not enough to make a judgment call on this one. You know, um, sometimes the difference between a subbed version versus a dubbed version can be like night and day. Like, for instance, like the original Sailor Moon series, when dubbed in English for American audiences, it like changed entire plot points in the dub to make it more like Western culture kid friendly, supposedly. So, depending on which way you watch the show, really did determine what was being said. But that's surely not the case with Marianne. So, why was there such a discrepancy? You know? Um, all that aside, here's what really bugs me about the whole dub versus sub debate. So many people mock dubbed versions of things and act like people who use them are somehow inferior. Like, go ahead and go on YouTube. Look up a Marianne review. And I guarantee you will find several videos where some basement-dwelling man-child condescendingly tells you that the only real way to watch Marianne is the subtitled version. All dubs are trash. Anyone who watches dubs are idiots. Meh. <laughs> Everyone can have their preference. But takes like these are such privileged garbage. It infuriates me. Like There's a lot of reasons people need dubbed versions of things. Like, here's an example. I have an anxiety disorder. Which means two things. One, 
I'm always fidgeting and multitasking. And two, I take a combination of prescriptions that unfortunately together has the side effect of making it really hard to focus. So watching subtitled shows can be hard for me because I have a really hard time sitting and staring at a screen for long stretches of time without some sort of secondary stimuli. And if I have to read every word on a screen, it is really hard to do that. And like, what about people with other forms of like attention deficit and or hyperactive disorders? Like, are they not entitled to enjoy something just because subtitles are hard for them to follow? Or like, what about people with lower literacy capabilities than you? If reading is challenging for them, they don't get to watch something either. Or what about people with poor eyesight? Like, do you see how douchey it sounds to lecture people on why subtitles are superior? when they're just literally super impractical for some people. Just, ugh. Ugh. Sorry for like the mini rant. It just bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> and while doing research, I just kept seeing video after video that had that sentiment and it was just really getting under my skin. Um, anyway. Back to Marianne. <laughs> um, Marianne walks this fine line between paying homage to a lot of horror classics that came before it and just being straight up derivative, which is sort of a problem. Like, where does referencing something end? and plagiarizing something begin. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of, to like about this series. But ultimately, it's just a bunch of horror tropes just, like, thrown into a blender together. And there's quick flashes of random disturbing imagery and repeated shots looking into a dark hole that feels a lot like the ring. There's the use of dreams and even like a Marianne nursery rhyme that are very reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a lot of demonic possession and Catholic iconography um, like The Exorcist or any other countless possession movie. As a matter of fact, there's one jump scare that is shot for shot a direct reference to a scare in Exorcist 3. And those are just a few examples. And they all have varying degrees of success. You know, sometimes they come across as intelligent homages and other times they felt like lazy ripoffs. And maybe they won't even be noticeable to casual horror fans like they were to me. You know, someone who watches 
way too much horror. <laughs> uh, however, there was one overarching uh, homage that I really don't know if it was intentional or not, to be honest, but that I really liked. And that the sh- that's the show's parallels to Stephen King's It. Now, a close-knit group of misfit friends, the use of flashbacks, uh, reuniting as adults to defeat an evil that they first experienced as children. In fact, the first person to bring Marianne to my attention was Stephen King. <coughs> Excuse me who tweeted about loving the show. So, of course, I had to watch it after seeing that. (laughs) So, the big question, of course, is, is this series really scary? Because with Netflix, it can be really hit or miss. Like, did you guys hear all the buzz about the Spanish language horror film Veronica that Netflix released last year. Like, there were dozens of articles and reviews that were touting it as the scariest movie of all time. So, of course I watched it. And it was not scary at all. And I don't mean that in like a douchey oh, horror movies don't scare me, I'm such an edgelord, herder type way. Like, I mean 100% genuinely that that film was nowhere near scary enough to warrant the buzz that was surrounding it. Like, for instance, okay, a lot of people name, like, The Shining or The Exorcist as the scariest movies they've ever seen. I don't find either of those films frightening, but I understand why other people do. And that is not the case with Veronica. (laughs) It was a decent film, sure, but like nothing to write home about. Now on the flip side of that, when it comes to Netflix stuff, I thought The Haunting of Hill House was fucking great. And super scary at times. And though it got a lot of really good press too, it didn't get nearly enough praise as I thought it deserved. So when I started seeing all the articles about how fucking terrifying Marianne supposedly was, I was hopeful but also prepared to be disappointed. (laughs) But, lo and behold, I can admit that there were numerous scenes in this show that scared the shit out of me. (laughs) It is super rare for me to cover my eyes while watching something scary. But this show had me doing that more than once. Also, a lot of me yelling at the TV. (laughs) A lot of, nope, nope, fuck that, nope, mm -mm, nope, fuck that. (laughs) It had, like, a great 
balance between your run-of-the-mill jump scares and your slow, drawn-out feeling of just utter dread. The fear that is the fear that is in the waiting itself. I feel like this show taps into every type of fear. Whatever gets you, it's in this show at least once. Jump scares, check. Suspense, check. The supernatural, check. The psychological, check. Body horror, check. Violence and gore, check. Complete and utter existential dread, check. (laughs) And that's not to say that all of these scares are equally effective. Because they're not. But the very things that frighten some people will alienate or bore others. And the things that get under people's skins are often very specific and like deep-rooted. Case in point. (laughs) I have a weird thing about eyes. When I was very little... I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure. If you're not familiar, (laughs) there's one random-ass scene in that movie with a terrifying ghost truck driver named Large Marge. (laughs) And at the end of the scene, there's this really bizarre jump scare where her face transforms into this grotesque, clay animation scream with huge eyes bugging out of her head. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that it fucked me up for life. (laughs) I refused to watch that movie even though I liked Pee Wee. And it was a really brief scene. Anytime I even saw that that movie was on TV, I would get a panic attack. I eventually managed to desensitize myself by forcing myself to like stare at still images of her, but it still makes me anxious. And I still have like a general fear of bulging eyes used in horror. Well, Guess what Marianne looks like? <laughs> like the witch's true form, you know, when she's not like possessing a person, is first shown in single frame subliminal flashes in the early episodes. But as the series goes on, we see her more and more, each time a little clearer. or a little longer. And her most notable feature is her huge, unblinking, bulging, lidless eyes. And what made it even worse is that the majority of Marianne's appearances were 
created with practical effects and prosthetics and masks which are always scarier to me than digital effects and though I have grown out of having like a full-on heart attack at the sight of something like that it still created like a dread when I knew she was nearby or a very effective way to make me jump when she'd suddenly pop on screen but like I said, not everyone is scared of the same things. And the very face that managed to get me every time was just downright laughable to other people, you know. And truth be told, the effect even started to wear off for me by the end. And now since I've finished the show and have been doing research and whatnot, I've stared at her face so much that it makes me laugh now too <laughs> it's so bizarre like it's unsettling but undeniably goofy and like cartoonish I don't know like you know what she reminds me of she reminds me of something Ardman animations would design you know that stop motion animation studio they did Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit and stuff. Like, they have a few more, like, unsettling short films and series that remind me of Marianne. You know what? I'm going to put on the Instagram account for this show a side-by-side -side of Marianne and of an Ardman character called Angry Kid. And you'll see the resemblance for yourself. <laughs> I want so badly to hear from the director and the designers what went into their choices for the look of Marianne. It's killing me. I have to know. If anyone listening to this knows of any interviews or anything, maybe they're only in French, so I'm missing them please let me know because I have to get inside these people's heads. <laughs> Excuse me. I have some like small gripes here and there about the show. Like about silly decisions and minor plot holes and a truly stupid cliffhanger ending that I obviously won't spoil here, but is just such a non-issue. Like, it's very much a dun-dun-dun moment, <laughs> but it's so it's super easy to resolve that I was truly dumbfounded as to why they even included it. But I have gripes like those with most horror movies shows I feel like most horror has a prerequisite to be at least a little bit stupid sometimes <laughs> I think that's fair <laughs> for the things that happen in horror to happen people often have to do stupid shit otherwise there would never be any horror shows you know everyone would 
have the sense to get out of that situation as quick as possible. But honestly, my biggest complaint about this show is that it queer baited me. <laughs> Emma and her assistant Camille are both like super queer coded. And that's not just my gay ass projecting. Like I'm serious. One look at them just screams gay. And the two of them flirt like crazy. But it goes nowhere. Not only does it go nowhere, Emma turns out to be like obnoxiously heterosexual. <laughs> it was such a huge missed opportunity. Like we deserved some gay, goddammit. Like <laughs> I say that about everything. But in this case, I really mean it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, I still recommend it. Like, I want you all to watch it. I think you'll like it. And if you don't, please come talk to me about it. Because <laughs> I'm still so conflicted. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Before I sign off, I want to introduce a new segment we're adding to the show called Creator Spotlight. This is going to be a place for me to give a shout out to creators I really enjoy, like YouTubers, artists, writers, especially those who create within my fandoms because they are really the real like MVPs out there like <laughs> making rad shit for us content hungry nerds to enjoy um i have no affiliation with any of these people unless i state otherwise um i just think they deserve some praise so for our first ever creator spotlight I would like to shout out to two amazing artists, Kiki G Art and Jackie Linja. I discovered them both through the IT fandom. Kiki's designs of the losers are the cutest goddamn things I have ever seen. <laughs> Her art always brightens my day. And in addition to her Amazing Losers Club art, Jackie also has done loads of amazing drag queen portraits that I am also obsessed with. So I encourage you all to go follow them both on Instagram right now. That's at Kiki G Art, K I K I G A R T, and at Jackie Linja. J-A-C-K-I-L-I-N-J-A -A. Thanks for your amazing artwork. Me too. So, that about wraps it up. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Please leave a comment or a rating wherever you stream us from. Or feel free to shoot me an email about absolutely anything. Recommendations, questions, your thoughts or reviews, 
of things we've talked about on this show, whatever you want. You can email me at wearetheweirdospodcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at weirdos underscore pod. So thanks again. And until next time, we are the weirdos, mister. Mm-hmm.